Amen. Amen. Hey, give a shout out for God's grace. Oh, that, come on now. Seriously. Hey, give a shout out for God's grace. Amen. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it sounds so sweet, doesn't it? Hey, hey, I, I just want to mention that I'm really grateful that for the last two weeks, you know, that, you know, our, our student worship band has come up here and, and stood in. You know, we got a, we got a, you know, a 14-year-old guy in drums. They vanished. I don't know where they went to, you know, and you got a couple 60-year-olds and it, it, we're really blessed. And um, after church, uh, my wife has made some pasta and we're meeting with, you know, student band, these guys and, and, and maybe we'll go praise team and, and talking about what we're going to do as we move forward. And, and we're blessed that we have Jordan here so we can breathe, right? You know, uh, you know we're going to breathe and figure out what we need to do as a church. What's, what's the best move we need to make as, as, we, as we move forward? And, and uh, uh, we don't know what that is. You know, he, God does. And so sometimes you just need to breathe. And, and thankfully, we can breathe and worship at the same time. And, and so I uh, do want to let you know I had a great meeting yesterday with the Opals. Uh, um, older people in active lifestyle, and uh, it's our senior adult ministry, and we had a phenomenal, I am so proud of that group, it's our second gathering, and um, their, their goal is to, we're doing an extreme makeover senior adult ministry edition, and, and, and these guys are open to change, you know, we got a new name, um, uh, their new name is Cornerstone, that they came up with, yeah, and, and it's, yeah, it's going to be a great, you know, what a great positive meeting, and we're going to have a senior adult ministry engaged in our community and engaged in our church like never before, and so exciting times. And uh, I, I want to begin reading from Luke chapter 9. One day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. And you know what? That's a really good thing to do at times, you know, to leave the noise, to leave the crowds. I mean, they'll be okay without you. They'll be noisy even if you're not there. And to get alone with God, to, to tune in with God. And listen, for some of you in this room, that's exactly what you need to do this week. That's what you need to do. Matter of fact, this very day, you need to, you need to leave the crowds, you need to leave the noise, and get alone so that you can hear the voice of your Father in heaven. Amen? Only his disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say that you're one of the other ancient prophets. We didn't pick that name for our new group, by the way, uh, senior adult ministry, the ancient ones, that, that, that one didn't make the list. Ancient prophets risen from the dead. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Yeah, everybody else has got opinions, but what about you? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them, Shh, don't tell anybody. It's not my time yet. My time's coming. It'll be on the Passover. It's not time. And he said, the Son of Man, or the Messiah, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and must be killed on the third day, be raised to life. We get that, but that was a gut punch to them, right? They're thinking, Jewish world empire, here we come, right? Let's kill all the bad Romans and have this physical kingdom. Jesus said, no, I'm actually coming to die. I'm not coming to reign and rule the way you think I am. And then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Matter of fact, we can't follow him unless we have taken up our cross, right? 
If whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? And and do you hear what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, Steve, if, if you live for you, if I live for myself and my wants and my desires and my dreams and my goals, and if it's all about me, that I'm actually going to forfeit my very self. But on the other hand, if I deny myself, if I take up my cross, if I lose myself for the sake of his gospel and his kingdom and his purpose and his plan, I actually find my very self. Good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self. Heavenly Father, God, we humbly come into your presence. You're great and amazing and incredible. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you that grace is a solid rock that we can stand on. And we thank you, Lord, that the day that we see your face, the only claim we have to make, our ticket to get in, is not something that we've done we stand on grace and grace alone. And, and Father, I, I pray you speak to us today. God, I, I pray that I, I hear, even as I speak, that I hear the truth that you have for us today, that you have for me today. God, give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, and give us hearts that are willing to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're, we're in this series called Tuned In. I'm really glad we did the series because it gave me a reason to go out and buy my beats, you know. And, and, and the premise of the series is that there's so much noise going on. Noise that is propelled by the lies of our enemy. No, I, I got to take these things off because like, I don't know. I, how loud was I? Pretty loud? It's, you don't even know what's going on. Okay. So anyhow, these are awesome. Seriously. Seriously. But there's a lot of noise out there. And, and, and noise that... And voices propelled by the lies of the enemy, noise that is intended to invade our minds, depress our souls, corrupt our worth, distract us from our mission, derail our dreams, and still kill and destroy the destiny that is rightly ours in Christ Jesus. And, and, and the series, you know, we're kind of building the series around, around four confessions. And, and the premise of the series is that you know, uh, the voice we believe will determine the future we experience. The voice we believe. A lot of voices out there. A lot of things, a lot of noise trying to get our attention. And, and this series is built on these four confessions that are, uh, that are grounded in God's Word and, and that are grounded in God's presence uh, promises. And the first confession we already looked at, it, it, it helps us overcome our insecurity. And the confession is, God says, I am. God says, God says, God says, I got all day. This is the second service, right? We're not going anywhere, okay? And, 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 and this will help us overcome insecurity. And remember, if we want our security, if I want my security to be stable, you know, we must anchor it to something far beyond and much deeper than the circumstances of our lives. I mean, how are your circumstances right now? Or, or the ever-changing Ways and winds of people's opinions and approval, including your own. Okay, so, so what is that thing that, is, that, that is, is much deeper and far beyond those things? 
what God says about you. And, and, and here's, what I, here's what I'm convinced of. I, I'm convinced that if God was, was here today in the flesh, that he would want to put some, like some, some cancel out the noise, and he'd look you in the eye, and he would say, it's not about who you are, it's not about who you're not, and it's not about what other people think about you. It's not about what other people say about you. It's not about what other people perceive about you. No, 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 no. It's about I am and about what I am says about you. And the great I am says you're precious. The great I am says you're chosen, you're valuable, you're his prized possession, you're a new creation. It's about what God says about us. That's where we anchor our self-worth to. Get it? Good. And then two weeks ago, we talked about something else that we need to overcome. Fear. You know, fear holds us back. And, and, and we, the confession there was, God says, he will. God says, he will. God says, he will. and we invited the great theologian, Barney Fife to come in. And, 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 and Barney kind of talked to us and said, okay, if you want to overcome fear, you got to nip it. Nip it, nip it, nip it, nip it, nip it. Right? You got to nip it in the bud. And, 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 and that, I've been nipping it. Let me tell you. <laughs> Take a nip. <laughs> okay. And, and the N. I mean, I, I'm sure this is so help me. The N stands for never forget that whatever is surrounding you, God is surrounding it. Amen? The I, nip it, stands for increase your fear of missing out so that it's greater than your fear of messing up. we got to stop being afraid of failure. Amen? And then the P is pursue your what ifs straight down to the bottom. Right? Yeah, and you use these, these, these three phrases. I, 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 I do this all the time. I'm serious. You know? I mean, what if... The thing you fear actually happened. What if? You know, what if the relationship didn't get better? What if the fine, what, what the hell, what, what if the worst happened? That would really stink. That would be hard. That would be difficult. But God will. Uh, no matter where you're, God will be at the bottom. No matter how deep that bottom is, our God is at the bottom. And I got to tell you, I go through that all the time. I just bought a house. That's scary, Right? What if ah, that would? Ah, God will, you know? Yeah, what? It, it, it works. And, and so this week I, I began working on the third confession. God says he has, and this confession is tied to you and I overcoming um, the lies about shame and condemnation that the enemy keeps us in shackles about. And I, I was really pumped about it because I, I got to be honest, you know, the, great, the, the accuser is really good at accusing you know, capital A accuser, and, and, and many times in my life, he, even though I know I'm saved, he keeps me bound sometimes, and, you know, and, and, and so I was excited about talking about being set free. God has, and, and I was also excited because this was the first week that I was working in my, my brand new um, basement pastor's cave, and, you know, here it is right there. I was so excited about that. You know, that's, that's his first time sermon in there. I got all that insulation there so no one can listen in, right? You know, <laughs> And I wear a tinfoil on my head when I'm doing it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, uh, and, 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 and then, then what, what, what kind of happened, you know, Thursday, I'm writing all this stuff down, and then I'm getting this impression that God's wanting me to 
He says, I, I want to add a confession. And, 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 and we kind of struggle with it, but I'm always open. God can change something on Sunday, and it's like, I'm fine with it. And, and, and he says, no, there's another confession, um, and, it, and that confession helps you overcome the noise that Jesus warned about in Luke chapter 9, this noise about not dying to ourselves and, and living for ourselves. And, and, and uh, as we've already seen and tuned in, you know, fear and Fear and insecurity are negative noises that can hold us back. And in the coming weeks, we're going to see that, that shame and disappointment can be just as noisy and can hold us back too. But today, May 31st, 2015, I want us to talk about a confession that will empower us to overcome another noise, a, a noise that is constantly surrounding us in our culture, a noise that is inside of us. The confession is, God says, it's not about me. God says, Man, there was no love in that one, right? You know, God says, God says, and, and this will help us overcome the noise and lies and the voices that, that, that make us selfish and self-seeking and, and, and make it all about us. There's three points in your notes. They all start with the letter R just to help me remember. And, and, and uh, uh, the first one is the reality, the reality of this issue we have, not just with fear and shame and disappointment and security, but with selfishness and how it holds us back. Max Lucada writes, there's a sickness that makes the black plague appear as mild as the common cold. Tally the death tolls of all infections, fevers, and epidemics since the beginning of time, and you'll still fall short of the number claimed by this single infirmity. And forgive me for being the one to tell you, but you are infected. You suffer from it. You are a victim, a disease carrier. You have shown the symptoms and manifested the signs. You have a case of, brace yourself, selfishness. Oh, you don't believe me? Suppose you're in a group photo. The first time you see the picture, where do you look? And if you look good, do you like the picture? If you're the only one that looks good, do you still like the picture? If some are cross-eyed and others have spinach in their teeth, do you still like the picture? If that makes you like the picture even more, you got a bad case. Uh, what about physical manifestation, he writes? Clutching hands, do your fingers ever wrap close around possessions? Protruding teeth, do fangs ever flare when you're interrupted or irritated? Heavy feet, when a neighboring car wants to cut in front of you, do you suddenly sense a heaviness of foot on the accelerator? You're not getting in front of me, sucker. Extended shoulders, any inflammation from patting yourself on the back and your neck, is it sore from keeping your nose in the air? Most of all, look, in, but most of all, look into your eyes. Look long into your pupils. Do you see a tiny figure, an image of a person, an image of you? And he writes, the self-centered see everything through self. Their motto, it's all about me. The flight schedule, traffic, the dress styles, the worship styles, He's obviously a pastor. The weather, the work, whether or not one works, everything is filtered through the mini me. Everything is filtered through the mini me in the eye. And I think Max is right. I think most of us in this room are infected. We are disease carriers. We, we see everything through the lens of self. We filter everything through the mini me in the eyes. I mean, we see selfishness in the garden. You know, it's amazing to me how much stuff happened in Genesis chapter 3. Man, a lot went, went wrong. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord had made. He, he said to the woman, 
Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? That's what he does, right? He does that today, right? Did God really say, yeah, yeah, I I know, I know, I know it's in here. Husbands, love your wives. Did God really say, uh, did God really say that anger's so bad? Did God really say that you have to love the, did did God really say, he, he gets us to challenge God's word. Then the woman said to the serpent, that's where it went wrong, right? She's starting to listen to the wrong voices. She's having the wrong conversations, right? She's dialoguing with the devil. We may eat from the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You're not going to die, the servant said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat it, from it, God knows that when you eat it, when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And right there, the crafty one got Eve to turn her focus from God onto herself. You'll be like God. And look how quickly she begins to evaluate things based on her wants and needs. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food, man, I like to take a bite of that, pleasing to the eye. And also desirable for promoting herself and gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And again, it's because now everything was all about her and what's pleasing to her and, and disregard to God. We see selfishness not only guarding, we see selfishness in our culture. And man, man I think the infection rate is pretty high. Um, check out the titles of some recent magazine covers. That I came across. Get famous even if you're nobody. Look better instantly. Flat belly summer secrets. <laughs> okay. 101 ways to look great. Lose your gut now. The world's greatest investors follow their lead and get rich. Retire rich. Here's my favorite. B-list lovers. Why we need backup partners. Amen. That's right. Okay. Uh, use what you have to get what you want. Uh, Julie Allison and the Secrets of Self-Promotion. Get notice, keep them hooked, extend your brand. And as I scanned all these covers, I didn't find any covers that had titles like this. How to help other people succeed and surpass you. 101 ways to show kindness to those you love. Use what you have to bless other people. Retire rich so you'll have more to give away. Seven secrets of being kind and loving to those who hurt you. The world's humblest people, follow their lead, forget about yourself. Ten ideas for celebrating the success of others. I I didn't see any of that. We see selfishness in the garden. We see it in our culture. We see it in the pages of Scripture. And usually when we see it in Scripture, the results really aren't that good. James said in James 3.16, we read James 3 this week, and our faith comes from hearing. By the way, uh, we have a a new one coming out. They're on on our website, and also we have little sheets you can do it. It's a good way for you to... Uh, uh, understand from Genesis to Revelation, we see selfishness, self-seeking, and self-centeredness causing trouble and giving birth to cruel things. 
It was selfishness that caused Adam and Eve to bite the fruit. It was selfishness that caused Cain to murder his brother, Abraham to lie and say Sarah was his sister. It was selfishness that caused Jacob to steal Esau's birthright. It was selfishness that caused the ten spies to give a bad report, Samson to lose his strength, David to sleep with another guy's wife, Herod to try to kill Jesus. It was selfishness that caused the religious leaders to oppose Jesus. It was selfishness that caused James and John to ask for positions of power. It was selfishness that caused the disciples to flee into the night, Peter to deny Christ. Christ, Paula to crucify God, Paul to persecute the church, the early church to grumble about food distribution, for Peter to dump his new Gentile friends for his fear of what his new Jewish buddies would look like, and it was selfishness that caused the church of Laodicea to be lukewarm. Whenever people are jealous or selfish, they cause trouble, do all sorts of cruel things. But not only do we see selfishness in the garden, in the culture, in scripture, but we see selfishness in our own lives. The selfish, the self-centered see everything through self. Their motto, it's all about me. The reality of our selfishness is just, it's hard to deny, right? You know, and I am appalled and amazed how quickly I can be selfish. I mean, I can even do something good and be selfish about it, right? If you're married, you ever like do something nice for your spouse, right? Because you're a servant, you got a servant's heart. But they didn't like respond the way you wanted them to. And now you're ticked off, right? Okay. Well, sir, yeah, I did all this. You should be. Why did you do it? Did you, did you, oh, it wasn't really for you. I, I'm nice to Ryan because Ryan's going to help me out. But if Ryan doesn't help me out, now I'm ticked at him, right? I mean, I, I'm amazed and appalled by how quickly I can become selfish. But I shouldn't be that amazed or that appalled because Jesus said we must crucify ourselves every stinking day. Get it? Good. Here's some reasons. Obviously our nature, right? Ever since Adam and Eve took the bite of the forbidden fruit, we who are made in the image of a selfless God have become selfish and self-centered. We like the world before Copernicus and Galileo feel as though that we're the center of the world and the world revolves around us and around me and my wants and my desires. The result, we've been demanding our ways and stomping our feet since infancy. Feed me, change me, hold me, play with me, pay attention to me. We want spouses that make us happy, kids that make us look good, bosses that appreciate us, weather that suits us, coworkers uh, that always ask our opinion, and we want government, churches, our families and friends to serve us and do things our way. Self-seeking, self-promotion, self-preservation, self-centeredness, it's all about me. It seems to be part of our fallen nature. A second reason we struggle with this is because of our culture. I mean, our culture is so selfish. American culture, I mean, it feeds, it, it, it creates, it promotes selfishness. And it's not going to go away because selfishness is the fuel in the American tank. You know, it's all about you. I mean, turn on the TV, pick up a magazine, surf the internet, stroll through a shopping mall, cruise the pages of social media, and we hear the voices of modern culture shouting and calling out to us, promote yourself, please yourself, protect yourself, look out for yourself, make a name for yourself, make it all about yourself. It's all about you and your wants and your needs and your desires. And listen, these these. This noise, these voices, 
They keep telling us over and over again that, that, that self-promotion and self-centeredness is actually how you find life, that it's the key to life. They really do. And it's a lie. It, it, it doesn't work. But this song has been playing in our head since the garden, right? You ever get a song cut in your, caught in your head it just won't go away? Let it go. Let it go. Okay, I did it to you, didn't I? I made up a song this morning. You ready? Let it go. Let it go. I won't make it about me anymore. Let it go. Let it go. Turn away and run from the noise. (laughs) I don't care what the culture says. Let their voice rage on. Living for me never really worked out anyway. And if there's a record label uh, manager out there, that's Steve. <laughs> that's Grove. I'll never hear from you. But you know, how could we expect the results from anything different? We're made in God's image. A selfless God. A self-seeking life will always be a never-satisfied life. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, get everything their way? Yeehaw! How's that working for you? and yet forfeit their very self. A third reason is obviously our enemy, right? we got an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy what God has for us. And he knows. He's not stupid. He knows, he knows, that, 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 he knows that a selfless life, he knows that a life of sacrifice is the abundant life. Therefore, he's going to do anything he can to keep you and I from living that way. He's going to crank up the noise. And he actually, he trembles at the thought of you and I actually doing what Jesus commanded us to do. He trembles that, that, that we would actually deny ourselves, that, 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 we would, that we actually would daily take up our cross. He trembles at the thought that we'd say, you know what, I, I'd rather lose myself for the sake of the gospel and his kingdom than to gain anything else. So we'll use nat- our nature, our culture, even our gospel he'll use. See, see, we we gotta we have an upside down gospel for the most part in America, and it's a consumer. See, it's a let me get my wording right. It's a consumer driven gospel rather than a cross driven gospel. Right? It's like, hey, what are you gonna do for me? What are you gonna do for me? How are you going to serve me? How are you going to meet my needs? Because right? there's, there's a couple churches down the road, I don't think they can do a better job. And they give out better coffee mugs than you when you visit the first time. You know, I mean, but it's just consumer mentality, right? And it's supposed to be cross-driven. But we got this upside-down gospel, and he feeds it. He feeds it. He feeds it. Make it about you. Make it about you. Everything's about you. When you walk in church, everything's about you, about what you think, about what you want. And we leave Christ out of the equation. Well, there's a remedy. Good news, right? Because if I said, okay, thanks for coming to church. Like, you all suck. You're selfish. Boom. Thank you for coming to Maple Grove. Great time. Uh, You'd be like, woo! Right? Not coming back. Okay. There is a remedy. And the remedy, one of the things in the remedy that we can overcome this noise. And the noise is there, man. It's there all the time, every day, right? Hey, hey. Wait a second. 
someone's just challenged you. What are you going to do? You know, it's, it's there every day, every day. Number one, embrace our acceptance. God writes to Paul in Ephesians 1, praise be to God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ, God has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly world. That is, in Christ, he chose us before the world was made so that we could become his holy people without blame before him. Because of his love, God has already decided to make us, messed up us, his own children through Jesus Christ. That was what he wanted and what pleased him. And it brings praise to God because of his wonderful grace. God gave that grace to us freely in Christ, the one he loves. In Christ, we are set free by the blood of his death. And so we have forgiveness of sins. How rich is God's grace, which he has given to us so fully and so freely. How rich is God's grace that he's given to us so fully and so freely. Man, that's good stuff. I, I, I don't care who you are. I, I understand if you're a Jesus follower, and repeat after me these sayings that are true. This is about your acceptance. I am chosen. Seriously? I, I'm just messing with you, but that was pretty bad. Uh, I'm not too proud to beg, right? I am chosen. I am blameless. I am loved. I am free. I am forgiven. I am worthy. I am God's own child. I am God's own child. I am accepted. And listen, when we really embrace our acceptance, we'll no longer feel the need to promote and exalt and make it about ourselves because God in Christ has already lifted us up higher than we ever could get there on our own. You see, we have nothing to prove because in Christ Jesus, we are already approved. Get it? Good. And then we need to embrace our identity. You know, you know, Moses is out hanging out in the, he's hanging out in the, in the desert and he's been there for 14,600 days and and it wasn't going so good for him. And it's not where he thought he ended up, right? I mean, he went to all the right schools, had all the right degrees, grew up in the right family, right? And now he's like, how did I end up here? How did things get so messed up? And one day he wakes up and he just thinks it's going to be another day in the dry, dusty desert. Has no clue that he's about to have an encounter with God. And I got to tell you, God still does that, right? And we could always have an encounter with him. And so, so he's walking along and, you know, he, he sees a bush, and this bush is burning. And he's like, that's interesting. You know, I've seen bush burn in the desert before, but this one's not being consumed. So Moses thought, I would go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their sufferings. I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their sufferings. You know, maybe today God would want to say the same thing to a few people in this room. 
who like God's people 3,400 years ago are in a difficult place, are in a, in a lonely place, uh, who are in a painful place, who are in a seemingly hopeless place. And God would want to say, you know what? The God who saw then still sees the day. The God who cared then still cares today. And the God who, who, who went down and rescued then still comes down and rescues today. So I've come down to rescue them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, suppose I go and I say, they say to me, hey, I say the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say, hey, what's his name? And and what should I say? God said, I am who I am. That's what you should say to them. I am has sent you. Now, in English, the name I am translates into the verb to be or simply be. Therefore, God's name is I am or I be. <laughs> I be. Not great grammar, but powerful theology. You see, God knew that it was imperative for Moses to know who he was, to know that he was I am. I am is the present tense, active form of the verb be. As God's name, it declares that he is unchanging, unending, constant, always present, always God. God was telling Moses, I am the center of everything. I am running the show. I am the same yesterday and forever. I am the owner of everything. I am the Lord. I am the creator and sustainer of life. I am the Savior. I am more than enough. I am inexhaustible, immeasurable, and immovable. I am God. And because now Moses knew who God was, Moses knew who he was, because if God's name is I am, Moses' name must be I am not. That's my name, and that's yours. I am not the center of everything. I am not in control. I am not the solution. I am not all-powerful. I am not all-knowing. I am not calling the shots. I am not holding it all together. I am not the maker. I am not the savior. I am not God. I am not, but I know I am. God says, it's not about me. God says, God says, okay, you, I'm just making sure y'all wanted to go home today. And, and listen, it is so freeing, hear me people, it is so freeing to not have to be God. Understand, we don't have to pretend to be something we're not. We don't have to be something we were never meant to be. Uh, we don't have to be responsible for things that are outside of our control. We don't have to strive to make a name for ourselves because even though we are not, we know I am. And, and embracing this, embracing who God is and who we are, our identity in Him will free us and transform us from our self-seeking ways. Next, we need to embrace God's glory. And I'm, I'm going to shift the fifth gear. And, you know, Moses was on the mountain, and, and the people were messing up. And he comes down. They made a golden calf. And, and God is angry at the people, but he's pleased with Moses. And Moses is like, okay, I know i got to lead these people from where they are to where they need to go. And I just got to know one thing. Are you, are you coming? Are, are you going to come? Exodus 33, 15. He says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. I mean, I love it. Lord, if you're not going, 
If you're not going, I, I don't want to go. And, and God is so pleased with Moses' response. He says, Moses, whatever you want, you got it. Ask me anything, you got it. You know, I mean, you know, it's like that genie wish thing, right? Anything you want, Moses. New body, you got it, right? Instantly beamed the, um, the Canaan on a first-class ticket, you got it, right? You know, you got anything you want, you got it. New people to lead, you got it. Because they're kind of crazy. You got it. And Moses' request was simply, show me your glory. Let me see you. Let me see you. That's what matters. I want more God. I want more of your glory. And you know, Moses' request needs to be ours. Because we got problems. I mean, we're living in dying bodies, walking on a decaying planet, surrounded by a self-centered society. These are no small issues. A small guy's not going to work. No, no, we need what Moses needed. We, we need a glimpse of God's glory. And Maple Grove, such a sighting will change us forever. Seeing his glory will melt our self-seeking ways like the hot summer sun melts butter. I mean, who would ever think of bragging about their net worth in the presence of Bill, Bill Gates? Or better yet, who would ever think about promoting themselves in the presence of one whose glory fills the entire earth? I mean, why strive for our own glory when we can see his? Man, there are so many voices telling you and I, make it about you. Make it about you, Steve. Make it about you. And the remedy is embrace our acceptance, our identity. And embrace his glory. And then finally embrace his story. You see, life is a tale of two stories. One is, is fragile, frail, and short. Uh, the other is infinite and enduring. And and, and, and the one that's frail and short and fragile, that, that's our story. The script, it, you know, our story is like a blink of the eye. Scripture says that we are a mist that, that appears for a little while, and, and then that, that mist is gone. But there's this other story going on. And this story was going on before you were born, and it's going to be going on after everybody in this room is taking their last breath. It's a story of an all-powerful, all-knowing, always-existing, always-loving, merciful, gracious God who's doing everything that he can to bring people back to himself, going to wherever they are, paying whatever price he has to in order to bring people back to himself so that they can be with him and then one day take them to be with him in eternity forever. Bottom line, God is big and we are not. He, he's calling the shots, directing the script, determining the plot and and. And what is crazy is God invites us into a story. God says, hey, you, you, you want to invest in this thing that is a mist? Or do you want to be a part of something like, like last forever and ever and ever? And three quick things of how, you know, we can be sure that, that we, we embrace his story. Number one, uh, um, we have to cast the right main character, right? Main characters are important in a movie, right? Absolutely important. I've said this before. Uh, this guy here, Macaulay Culkin, great main character, Home Alone, right? Okay, great, great, great job. I don't think he'd do so good as a main character in this movie, right? Are you not entertained, right? It just, I, I think they, yeah, because that's, he, I, I know he's got a hair dryer and iron, you know, but that's not that intimidating against the gladiators, right? You know, the main character is so important. And you know what? We make lousy main characters. The story is not about us. The story is about Jesus. 
And, and whenever I try to be the main character in the story and make it about me, it, it just doesn't work. I'm a terrible main character. And guess what? You're a terrible main character in your story. I mean, if you're the main character in your story, as the theologian Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? You don't look like it's working so good. <laughs> if it's working good, tell your face, right? <laughs> tell your face it's working good because it sure doesn't seem like it is. Jesus is the main character. And that's what, what Paul was trying to get us to understand in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he said, Christ's love controls us since we believe that Christ died for all. We also believe that we all, what? We're died. We're dead. We're all dead. We're dead. We've been crucified with Christ. We, we're dead. We died to our old life. We died to this life where it's got to be all about me. I got to promote me. I got to protect me. I got to please me. We're dead to that. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. Okay. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, is that, did anybody here receive this new life? Will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. God, help us to cast you as the main character. Yeah. We, we keep hijacking your story. Uh, another way to make sure we embrace the story is that we got to make sure that we're working off the right script. I mean, we've been handed all these scripts from the world, right? Here, here, okay, here's your role to play. And we follow those scripts, and we get to the end of it, and when we're frustrated and burned out and alone and depleted, wonder why it didn't work. I mean, we, we, we earned everything they said we needed to earn. Uh, we got what they told us we needed to get. But when we got what we wanted, it didn't do what we expected. And we didn't feel the way we thought we would feel when we had it. And, and I believe that the guy would say the same thing to us that he said to Adam and Eve. You see, in the garden, Satan had them a script. Here's a script to play off of. You don't have to listen to what the director says, to what God says. Go ahead, eat the fruit, do things your own way. Make life about yourself. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know what God told you, but you won't die. And they ate the fruit, they went off script, and things went crazy. And God looks at them and says, you know, who, who told you you were naked? Where'd you get that script? I mean, when, when you were following my script, when you were obeying my commands, when you were living according to my heart, you, you didn't feel any shame. No, it was when you were handed the wrong script and you took that script and you lived by the script that things went bad. You see, this world is handing us a bunch of scripts. I think God would want to look at some of us today and say, who told you that? Who told you? Who told you that you had to live the rest of your life in shame because you were abused as a child or, or make some wrong choices in your youth? Who told you that you have no worth or value? Who told you that you couldn't wash away that bitterness and that guilt? Who told you that, that you couldn't overcome that hurt? Who told you that you couldn't overcome that hang-up or that habit? Who told you that? Where'd you get that script? Where'd you get that script that said that, that self-promotion and not self-denial is the way to life? Who told you that? Who told you that? Who gave you that script? Understand, those are not the scripts of the director, the one whose overall things sustains all things and holds all things together. 
who put in flesh and drove the cross. That's not the script God wrote for your life. Cast the main character. You gotta, you gotta work off the, the right script. And you know, that's God's word. That's the Bible. You know, I actually brought my mom's Bible out here today. Just remind me how much my mom loves me. She knew me and she loved me. And uh, finally, don't try to skip the scenes that really matter. There's some scenes in our life that we'd rather not go through, right? Not very fun. And if we could, we'd grab the remote control and fast forward right through them things. But the entire time, God is saying, yeah, I know it's hard. I know it's painful. I know you'd rather skip the scene. But understand, it's the very scene that's going to bring about the end that I want. See, God uses struggles and tests and challenges that come at us from all sides to mold us and shape us into people that he wants us to be. I mean, think about your favorite movies, right? Most of them went through hard times and difficult times, right? Yo, Adrian, right? I mean, Rocky, man, he had some hard times. But he kept on going, man. He even got Drago. He got Drago, right? And when Rocky 99 comes out, he'll be doing it in the nursing home, right? Okay, Rudy, oh my gosh. Man, I, I cry when I watch Rudy, right? Because of the struggles he went through. It's the struggles, right? I mean, what would Noah's Ark be without the flood? Just about the stupidest building plan ever, right? It's like, okay, what the heck did you do that for 120 years for? What would David's slingshot be without Goliath? What would Moses' staff be without the Red Sea depart? You see, many times it's the scenes that we would like to skip that God says, no, that's the scene you need to do. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, hey, I didn't get to skip it. I'm not skipping, and I'm right in the muck and mire of it. I still had to go through it. Yeah, but how did you go through it? This makes all the difference, right? There's a lot of scenes in my life I like to erase when I was in them, like the movie Click. All right, but then your life's over like in a minute, right? Because, oh, that's not good. Oh, that's not good either. Oh, not that either. You know, get rid of them all. And, but yet when I get to the other side, I realize the guy wasn't lying when he says that he causes all things to work together for the good. He's not a liar. For the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Confession number three is God says, it's not about me. And I got to tell you, the world will not stop telling you that it's about you. Make it about you. In your marriage, make it about you. With your kids, make it about you. With your parents, make it about you. In a church, make it about you. Make it about you, one. Make it about your way. Make it about your desires. Make it about you. It's all about you. It's about you, 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 you. It's not going to stop. And what we need to do, we just need to cancel out the noise. Because the world's going to say, that's going to give you life, right? That's going to give you what you want. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. He says, it's counterculture, it's counter-gardening. No. <laughs> but the way to have real life is to die to yourself. The way to live is to die. The way to live is to deny. Uh, the, the way to get your life you want is to lose your life, not just for anything, but for the sake of the gospel and the sake of Christ. We are selfish people. And, and Selfishness ends, or it can begin to end, with something called surrender. 
And we're going to sing a song. It's an old hymn. Y'all can stand. And, and the team's going to come up here. Um, and I, I, my name is Steve, and I, I battle with selfishness. Hi, Steve. <laughs> I, I, I battle with making things about me. But God says it's not about me. And God says real freedom, the freedom you're looking for, the life you're looking for, is when it's not about you because you're just part of a big story. What can you do to a dead man? You can't hurt me. You can't hurt me. That's not my story. My, I'm part of God's story. You ain't touching his story. <laughs> his story's a done deal. I like I read the end of the book. He already won it. And so I, as we sing this song, I want to challenge every one of us, you know, to, you know, surrender, Right? Surrender. Surrender all that stuff of making it about you. Because it's not about you. Never has been, never will be about you. And that's why it's not working out so well. If you're here today and you don't, you've never surrendered to God, you want to talk about what it means to God? Now, this God full of grace and mercy, man, we can talk about that. But I'm going to pray and then really encourage you guys to make this a moment in your life. You look back and say, that's a day that something happened. God, we love you. We stand amazed in your presence, and, and God, uh, we need your help. Our world keeps, and it's in us, this song, make it about you. It's about you and what you want, and your desires, and your desires, and your needs, and your, 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 and, and God, help us to surrender to you, because surrender to you is a good thing, because we know you, and we can trust you. And Holy Spirit, I pray you move in a powerful way in our hearts as we as a church declare that it's not about us and that you, not a person, not a building, are the heart and foundation of our lives and of our worship. In Jesus' name, amen.